It's Dr. Erica here. Welcome to this week's episode of Better with Dr. Erica. You don't want to miss a single moment of this one because I have some great stuff for you. My guest is Light Watkins and we're going to be talking about all of the things. So you're going to want to stay on to the last moment because you're going to get some tips that you can take immediately to make your life better. We'll be talking about things from listening to your inner voice and being aware of inspiration. Also, we'll look into present moment awareness and also the importance of managing stress. We'll even take some time to talk about personal and lifestyle habits and how those impact your quality of life. We'll round it out with a conversation about the impact on your personal world of just being present and connected along with how to improve your relationship with meditation. So even if you don't meditate and you don't do yoga, you still don't want to miss this. These are going to be some really great nuggets of knowledge that can help change your life immediately. And at the end of the day, we all want that better life. This has some great tools to help you be better, do better, and live better, and do all of that better right now. So instead of holding you here, let's go ahead and move on to the show. Better with Dr. Erica. Thanks everyone for tuning in. I am your host, Dr. Erica, and I am so excited because I have something super special for you today. Today I have a wonderful guest, and I feel very honored that I was able to get him to take time out of his really busy schedule to hang out on my podcast. And I know I say everyone's special. He's really special. So today I have Light Watkins, and you might be like, I've heard of Light Watkins, and if somehow or another you've managed not to hear of him, you are in for a total treat. I don't say that all the time. And I definitely don't say it if I don't mean it. I am my mother and my grandmother's child. But there are so many great things to say about him beyond the fact that he's just so brilliant. And I have been fortunate enough to to spend some quality time with some of his books and to listen to some of his content. And one of the things that I really wanted to have him here for you is he has a superpower of making all of these concepts that we have these vague conversations about seem concrete, practical, practical and attainable. Because I know everyone's always heard something about meditation. They've heard stuff about yoga. They've heard all of these things. But a lot of times you can walk up to 10 people and ask them, what is meditation? This happens even with my patients. And they're just like, eh, you know, just, just sitting there and being quiet. And that's all they got. So I'm really happy to have him here. And rather than me do a remix of his life story, I'm going to let him tell you something about himself. So like, can you tell the people a little bit about yourself? <laughs> I never know where to start when, when, when I'm asked to do that, but I will, uh, I'll just keep it kind of surface. And if you want to go deeper and we can, of course, go deeper in any of those areas. So I'm from Alabama. I grew up in Alabama. 
I went to Howard University, HBCU in the house. And, uh, you know, when I graduated from college, I had this idea that I was going to work in advertising. I was an advertising major. I actually was one of the first to be a part of the advertising, the new advertising program at Howard back in those days, which was the early 90s. And, uh, and then I got a great job working at an ad agency in Chicago. Um, it was a boutique agency, mostly urban marketing, which is code for black. We advertise to black people. Uh, and, and it was awesome. It was creative. It was dreamy. I loved it. I was the first one to show up usually. And I was one of the last to leave every day. And, and at the same time, I had this, this, this epiphany, I guess you would call it, where I felt like it wasn't my path. I felt like it wasn't my path. And, uh, and I would say that's probably one of the first times I felt that way. And, and entering into sort of adulthood and, you know, the workplace, and I knew that that was going to be a lifelong thing, right? Once you're out of college, there's no more coddling. There's no more people giving you a schedule, giving you permission and telling you what to do. You're pretty much on your own. So I felt like, I felt like I was, I would be uh, selling myself short if I did not experiment with more of life before I anchored down in, in my nine to five work path. And this is back before everyone was talking about startups and entrepreneurship and all of that. So I didn't have language for any of that, but that's kind of how I felt. I felt like I, I wanted to kind of do my own thing, even though the agency was amazing and wonderful, great people and all of that. So I, I, resigned after three months and I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but I, I had done a couple of little fashion shows for Howard homecoming. And, I wonder uh, if yours were like ours. <laughs> probably. Yeah. A lot of choreography, you know, uh, a lot of house music. It's like, follow yeah. me somehow pops up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was really, if I watched the video today, thank God I, don't, I haven't seen any videos, but I'm sure I would be, embarrassed. And I wasn't like even the star of the, I was like one of the last pick people to be in the fashion show. Um, I was super like skinny and had bad posture and and, and then I was tall. So maybe that's why he put me in. But anyway, I had started working out and uh, I guess I was feeling myself enough to nominate myself as someone who could potentially be a proper professional model even though I didn't understand that that's not how it works. You don't, you don't nominate yourself to be a model. Someone <laughs> discovers you ideally. So I went around to all the agencies in Chicago and I got rejected by all of them, every last one. And then I worked out that it was because I didn't have the right photos. And so I got some photos taken, went back and, uh, and I got rejected again a second time. But then the last one that I went to, ended up reluctantly accepting me. And I told her right at the beginning, I said, look, I, I, uh, I've been having this dream to go to Paris. I, you know, I woke up with this idea to go to Paris and, uh, and she said, okay, well, let's, you know, help develop you a little bit so that when you go to Paris, you know, you'll have a better chance of getting an agency because that's how the modeling industry works is you get agencies in every market. So New York, Paris, Miami, London, every market, you have a different agency. 
And then you have a mother agency, which is the one that helps you develop yourself and, and puts you in contact with these other agencies. So Chicago was my mother agency. And so anyway, long story short, and I, I wrote this book called Knowing Where to Look, which just came out a few weeks ago. And I opened the book telling that story of going to Paris. But the reason why I included that story is because it was very much a leap of faith. It was one of the biggest, it was one of the first big leaps of faith that I've taken in my life where I didn't know how it was going to turn out. I didn't know anyone in Paris. I didn't know the language. There was no one looking for me. Even the agency that I had in mind to go visit, they didn't, they didn't know me from Adam. I, I spent my last little money and I got a one-way flight there. And anyway, within about 24 hours and one rejection later, I had an agent, I had a group of friends, and I had an apartment. And everything just kind of fell into place. And, and I, it, was, it, was, it was a very powerful lesson in, in listening to your inner guidance that I almost, I would say I stumbled upon it because I, I didn't do it as intentionally as I do it now. And with as much trust as I do it now, I was full of anxiety and insecurity and all of that, but it worked out. And, uh, and so my life really after that point has become an experiment in listening to and following inner guidance in as many different scenarios as possible with relationships, professionally, um, spiritually, uh, whether I invest in real estate or, you know, take a class or whatever. And, and that was, uh, that happened damn near 30 years ago, you know, like 26, 27 years ago. And it's been a fascinating, fascinating experience, um, since then. And so I've written about it. A lot of my, my writing nowadays is about that, about following your heart, taking leaps of faith, following your inner guidance, believing in yourself. Obviously, meditation um, has been a big part of that because I consider meditation to be a foundation for being more confident in following your heart, taking, because you can't really hear your heart if you're not getting quiet. Mm -hmm. And, and not, 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 not establishing yourself in being as opposed to always doing, doing, right. doing, doing, doing. You got to slow down the doing and you got to be for a considerate amount of time in order to hear what your heart is telling you to do next. And then that's where you find fulfillment is because you feel like my life is on purpose. And I'm not just waking up every morning and repeating what I did yesterday ad nauseum with some idea that I'm going to be happy in the future. Once I retire, once I make my first million, once I sell my company, once I meet my soulmate, you know, that acquisitive approach to happiness. So I'm trying to get people to, I'm trying to expose people to this idea that happiness is within it's, it's, look, this is obviously not my idea. The Buddha people have been talking about this for thousands of years, but we're still unconvinced that the, the happiness that we're, we're seeking is within us. It's kind of like we're walking around with pockets full of diamonds and we're, we're you know, trying to get people to give us $15 here, yeah. $20 there. And it's like, dude, you have everything you're looking for inside of you. You just have to take the time to, to, to be with that. And um, so I've written three books. The first one is called The Inner Gym, which is a 30-day workout for strengthening happiness. And so that is, that is the premise of, of why happiness is found inside instead, as opposed to outside. And then the second book, Bliss More, How to Succeed in Meditation Without Really Trying, is the methodology 
by which one can cultivate happiness. And then the, the most recent book, Knowing Where to Look, 108 Daily Doses of Inspiration, that is once you have solidified happiness within, now it's time to act and follow your heart and take the leap of faith and be on your path and live a life of purpose and find your mission. So, so that's, that's kind of what I've been up to. <laughs> I, I'm down for all of that. I'm like, I, <laughs> you're I here for all of it. <laughs> I'm here for all of it. And, and I wish people could see us, could see me. Cause literally I'm like, I'm ready to jump out of my chair. Woo-hoo. Um, I, I think because a lot of what you speak about is aligned with what I've either personally taught, either thought, or I've been working with people on, um, especially around this idea of how much capacity we actually have and what we actually start with. Because one of the things you see, especially with people that are professionals, is everyone has this big goal and this goal is way out there. And it's like, just as you were talking about, when I when I get this job, when I get this money, when I have this spouse, when I have this thing, and there's this gap between where they are now and where they're trying to be. And it's like you miss all of the time in between because you literally were so laser focused that you weren't present at all for anything going on. And, and for me, one of the, one of the saddest things that I, I see happen in humanity is not being present. And then you have a whole bunch of time in your life that's unaccounted for that. You haven't had a chance to, to breathe, stop, enjoy, communicate, have these great relationships, see these small moments because all you are looking at is waiting for this one thing to happen down the road. There's basically two different catalysts for present moment awareness, right? One is I've done enough research and seeking happiness outside of myself. Now I'm curious about where it actually resides. Let me go and take this meditation class or let me go and start a gratitude exercise or whatever. The other one is you've been diagnosed with this disease, this illness, your body has not is not able to continue operating at the same capacity as it was before because you were neglecting it. And so now you, you know, you, you have such and such amount of time to live and then people get really present. Then it's all about what's happening right now, my relationships right now, how I'm spending my time right now. So as a physician, you know, and, and giving people those kinds of diagnoses and prognoses it's uh, you know, that's, that's definitely the more dramatic way to get present. And, and again, one of my messages is don't wait for that to happen because if you postpone that present moment awareness um, with whatever's going on right now, then you, you are, make yourself susceptible to grinding yourself into a health crisis, mm-hmm. in which case you're going to be forced into present moment awareness, which is not nearly as much fun because you're not usually as mobile. Well, that's what everyone's seeing these days is this issue that all of a sudden you realize your body's a hot disaster. Mm-hmm. What do I do now? Because I think one of the huge things is, is everyone is so focused on all of the things, literally all of the things. And then you get to a moment and we're all getting older. I'm not going to say how old I am, but it's so easy to lose track of everything and lose track of these connections and relationships along with your own health, because you think you have tomorrow. And I have to tell people about being present, not only because they got a huge diagnosis or they just aren't functioning, but also part of what I look at is my mission as a psychiatrist 
and as a human on this earth is to hold on to hope until people can hold it for themselves. But it's hard to hold on to hope if you aren't grounded in the present at all. That's something that I think a lot of people take for granted is that present moment awareness. Like I can just be present whenever I want to be present, but that's not how it works. Because if you have a lot of stress in your body and in your life, the stress runs the show. The stress dictates how well you sleep at night. The stress dictates how strong your immune system is at any given time or how susceptible you are to COVID. The stress yanks you out of the present moment and into the future and causes you to be anxious about what's coming around the corner. The stress is what makes you worried about what you did in the past and whether you did the right thing or not. The stress is what keeps you up at night. So anything and everything that we can do to mitigate that and manage our stress is what I think is should be the highest priority because it literally frees you up to be more present. And guess what? The most attractive version of you at any given time is the version of you that is anchored in the present moment. Compared to the version of you that's stressed out all the time, present moment awareness version of you is going to outperform that stress version of you in every way, at every time, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Everything from sex to friendship, to relating, to job interviewing, to performance, competition, analyzation, even understanding movies that you're watching. Like if you're stressed out, you won't, you, your, your ability to do all of those things will be severely handicapped. I totally agree, especially because when you're really stressed, it it definitely also impacts your executive functioning. 100%. You don't have any executive functioning. You don't. You're and in it ends, fight flight. You're in just and, get by to the next moment. And it mode. ends up being the worst hamster wheel ever because then people are stressed. They're not as organized as they could have been otherwise. They're not processing information as well. So any task that you need to do takes longer. Mm-hmm. And then you feel pressure to get more things done because you are occupied then you don't have as much time to restore because the finite amount of time you would hope to do your tasks in, you didn't get them done. And it's just this funky, nasty hamster wheel mm-hmm. that I, I see all too often. Don't go too far. We'll be back in a few moments with my amazing guest right here on Better with Dr. Erica. Better with Dr. Erica. Welcome to What's Up with Dr. Erica. And today we're talking about my trip home. I drove from Atlanta to St. Louis and there's something magic about when I see that welcome to St. Louis sign and the big arch going into the sky that I had on Outcast. I was getting my full AT alien on. I was bankhead bouncing and dancing the car as I got home. And just as they say in the Wizard of Oz, there's no place like home. For me, when I go home, I'm able to sleep better. It feels very grounding. It helps me get recentered, and I always feel more re-energized. And it's always great to spend time with family and old friends. And I just want to spend some time encouraging you to take a moment today and figure out what can help you feel more grounded, what can help you feel more centered, and what can help recharge you, and then put a plan to do it. So back to the show. Better with Dr. Erica. It's one of the things I, I love about what you do is one of the hugest things is it helps give people their power back because it's almost like people are gaslit into thinking they don't have power. It's kind of like, Mm -hmm. whatever happens to me is what happens to me. And, and you see it in people in so many walks of life, 
you know, I've worked in public settings. I've worked in private settings. I see it in my, my poor people that are homeless. I also see it in the people that are, are, you know, live in a million dollar home. It's all of this feeling like, as you were talking about earlier, like life is happening to them. Like there's no control over it. And I, I feel like that's one of, one of the biggest gifts that you help give people is helping them to realize or remember that they actually have some control over their thoughts, actions, and being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, that's, that's the premise of all of my work is self-sufficiency. And um, again, it, 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 it's hard to, to be a fulfilled person if you don't understand that you are creating your reality. You know, because if you're not the one that's responsible, then that means somebody else is responsible, which means you have to wait for them to change. You have to wait for them to first be aware of it and then have to change (laughs) and then have to change in a way that suits your preferences in order for you to be happy, which is a prison. It's a prison. It's a nightmare. uh, And if but if you're responsible for your own situation, then that means you're also responsible for the solution, which means you can change today. You can change in five minutes if you wanted to. It doesn't mean that the change is going to take effect in five minutes, but you can start making different choices now. You can start making different choices now. And that's an empowering place to act from. It's wonderful. And also, I think when people have that self-awareness and are able to be present, then it gives them the tools to communicate better about what their needs are or what they're looking for or what they want. Because the other the other thing I see so much is people have these ideas of what they want, but they're not communicating to anyone else or setting appropriate boundaries to get any of the things they want or any of the types of dynamics they want in their relationships. And I I love the fact of what you're speaking about is it empowers people to make those changes, but also be self-aware to actually adequately communicate their needs or if something needs to change or they just don't need to be doing something to be able to actually communicate it, put it in language and, and take action. Because I, I, I love how you said that your, your books are almost like this arc. And that last one is really about that last set of action. Um, because so, for so many people, a lot of these processes, it's kind of like, well, I was, I was sitting there and I was thinking quietly, or I prayed this or said a couple gratitude statements, but nothing changed. Yeah, And, and it's like, with anything you do, at some point, you have to actually do something. Mm-hmm. Even, even when it comes to when you're having more discipline with your own thoughts, because a lot of what I do sometimes is we're working on people to work on cognitive distortions and to replace at times negative thoughts or negative perceptions, is it's still an active process mm-hmm. to work on really having feeling like your thoughts aren't just random all the time. There are times when they're random, but there are times where we have a little bit more control over things than we think we do. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. And uh, you know, you can't not underestimate the power of repetition. And uh, to your earlier point, you know, you can't do a couple pull, pull-ups or push-ups and then expect to go and do a triathlon right after that. You, you got to build up to that. And uh, it's going to take a lot of dedication, more dedication and focus than you probably think. And so it's better to just approach those kinds of positive lifestyle habits 
as a process as opposed to some big outcome that you're hoping to see at some point in the future. The outcome will take care of itself if you're process-oriented in the approach. If you're outcome-oriented, you'll quickly get discouraged. And so what we need is to think about this in a more principled way and, and, and work on strengthening our habits, which is really just about follow-through. And it's, it's not easy because if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. But that's the power of of taking small steps whenever you can, however you can, and um, and also making it bigger than you. You know, if you have a family, if you have kids, if you have a company where you know you're employing tens or hundreds of people, it's, you're not just doing any of this for you. You're doing it for all of them. You're doing it for all of their families. You're doing it for your kids, your kids' kids that they haven't even had yet. You are making yourself available for all of that. And so in, in a way you are operating in a service capacity when you are taking care of yourself. It's just like on the airplane when they say, put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Cause if you don't do that, even though everything in your body says help everybody else first, which is a good intentioned you know, way to be. But if you don't take care of yourself first, you become a liability to your kids and to your employees and to everyone who's depending on you. And we accumulate enough empirical evidence that, oh, I'm a better version of myself because I, I take this extra time. What you find is that the time that you spent gets refunded back to you exponentially in time you're not having to spend in dramatic situations and miscommunications and apologizing and retail therapy and all of this stuff that we have normalized, you know, um, which is really not normal. It's, it's normal for an imbalanced society with, with messed up priorities, but it's not normal to your operating system. Your operating system is, you know, you're supposed to be acting from happiness, not, not sacrificing your health and your relationships in order to find happiness. For me, one of the hugest things for people is we have to start working on these, these habits of personal development and lifestyle habits, just the same as we all have all these habits of showing up for everyone else that will show up for work. We'll show up on time. We'll have this habit of completing our work. We have this habit of communicating with our boss. We have all of these types of habits, but we don't have as much discipline or put as much weight on, on these habits that are going to impact our quality of life. And one of the things I love is kind of at the, those habits that you were speaking of are, are ones that are at the foundation for our quality of life. And that's actually one of the reasons I ended up even in psychiatry. I was supposed to be a pediatrician mm. since the age of three, I'd want to be a pediatrician. I was a sick little kid. I was reading this book by Nathan McCall called makes me want to holler. And um, towards the end, he talked about the importance of people getting a mental health checkup, just like they would get a physical checkup. And one of the things I even wrote it in my personal statement, if you all haven't gone to medical school, by the time we make it to med school, we've written a million personal statements because we did it for college. We did it for we did it for med school. We did it for residency. We do it so many times. We do it for fellowship. And it was actually the essay for my fellowship. You see people who seemingly on the outside, you think they don't really have that much. You know, my family's from rural Missouri and rural Mississippi. You can go out there in the country and, and people don't have a lot from the standpoint of material things or money, but they're happy. They're sitting on the porch, get, hanging out with the chickens, all getting together for, for meals, meeting up after church. 
And that also happened on like the porch of my grandmother's house. But then you see people that on the outside, you think they have it all. You know, they have money, they're attractive, they have the family, they have all the things that you're taught you're supposed to have and they're miserable. And I was, I was really struck by how many things impact quality of life. And that's what actually got me into psychiatry is being able to be in a field where you actually truly impact someone's quality of life. And I can do that even seeing someone only once. And, and I love a lot of the, the habits and the things that you work with. Overall, they're going to increase someone's quality of life. And that makes every day feel like it means more or there was more in it. We all have big things, but you know, you when you talk to people that almost died, they're like, my life flashed before me. But I've never talked to anybody and what they said flashed before them were all these big moments. It was all these little <laughs> small moments that if we're not if we're not paying attention to them, you literally will miss them. And a lot of the self-awareness is being and being grounded is being in a place where you don't miss those moments. hundred percent. I, I always say there are no throwaway moments. And that's really the good stuff, the, the, the small moments I find. Most of us, we're not conditioned to be present for those moments. So even if you are just a little bit present and you are able to express something that you feel genuinely feel as a result of being in the present moment, you can really interrupt the pattern for people who are around you, who are kind of in that humdrum, you know, uh, autopilot type of existence. That's the basis for inspiration. You can become a more inspirational or have a more inspirational influence in your, in your circle of life just from doing that, you know, and, uh, and you just never know how that will ripple from you to them, to someone else, to eventually uh, making the world a better place. You know, so you have that, you have that power use and every, all, anyone listening to this, you have that power to impact your world and, and your world includes all of us and everything that you come across on every moment of every day, just by being present to whatever you're experiencing. And when I say present, feeling a sense of connection, right? So when you watch the news and you hear a headline about somebody who's famous or infamous, we tend to make snap judgments about those scenarios, you know, oh, that that's sleazy or this is they're jealous or, you know, this kind of negative. And the reason we do that is because we don't feel a connection with those people. So we almost see them as caricatures of an archetype. Whereas if the anchor was the news anchor was talking about a relative of ours, they're talking about our parent or our brother then all of a sudden there's all this nuance and it's like, well, they're not like that. Oh, they left out this missing piece of information. And, you know, you start filling in those gaps because that person they're talking about is connected to you. So that's the power of connection. When you feel that connection in the moment, you naturally become less judgmental and you become more compassionate. You become more empathetic. And even if you are filling in the gaps of information you don't personally firsthand know about, your, your information tends to be a little bit more optimistic as opposed to pessimistic. And that makes you inspiring. You know, people like being around someone like that. 
because it makes them feel more empowered. And that's what really it's all about is empowering those around you. And you can only really do that if you're empowered. When you become empowered, a natural side effect of that is you empower other people. When you're insecure about your connection, the natural side effect is you disempower people. You have to put them down in order for you to feel big or tall. And so, you know, if you if you're like that and you become aware of the fact that you're like that in therapy or because somebody points mm-hmm. it out to you, then a way to do that in addition to, you know, unpacking that in the in the session is is to 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 engage in practices that allow you to feel more connected and allow you to feel more present. And then that way you don't have to force yourself to to stop disempowering people. You just feel more connected to them. And as a result, you will be more compassionate. You will be more empathetic and all the, all the stuff that we all ultimately want to be in any given moment. So again, that's been the basis of a lot of my work and, and I've tried a lot of things and I just, I haven't found a great substitute for meditation because I know a lot of people think, well, it's not for me, but it is a very powerful thing when you understand it. And it's not as hard as people make it out to be when you understand it either. And that was why I wrote that book, Bliss More, because I know what it's like to struggle with meditation and to have those, those excuses. So I, I would recommend picking up a copy of that book and, and you can start meditating today and having a completely different relationship with the practice. I co-signed the book. I like it. <laughs> and I, I don't like every book. There have been some books I didn't like, but I <laughs> I co-sign it just because it it one of the beauties of that book is how it lays it out in such a user-friendly way and, and takes it from this kind of vague concept to something that actually feels doable and practical and I'm curious of how you came up with this because I was thinking about this. I, I I chuckled. I listened to the audiobook, and I totally chuckled when you used this analogy of the game questions. That was from Howard. <laughs> when dealing with that, I was like, "Oh my god, this is this is HBCU party." I was like, "He's managed HBCU. to make to make questions sound so um, uh-huh. uh, spiritual, so wholesome." <laughs> I can believe it, but I, I I love how that analogy, and I wanted to bring that up for all you that haven't read the book, is it's he uses that kind of language and those kinds of analogies. So not only does it feel useful, it actually makes it pretty fun. Right. That's been my full-time profession for 15 years is, is every week meeting a group of people and teaching them the, the mechanics and the basics of meditation. Most meditation books in the bookstore are written by uh, doctors, researchers, internet marketers, self-help gurus, you know, monks, celebrities who meditated a few times, like that kind of thing. So that's why when you get most books, it's just a book of guided meditations telling you what to think about and, and what to visualize. Whereas my book really is not about that. It's really about, okay, this is how you understand your mind as it relates to the practice of meditation. And this is why this happens. And this is why that happens. And this is what happens when you fall asleep and what you do about that. And this is what happens when you start dreaming. And this is what you do when you start having these kind of thoughts. And this is what this means. And this is what that means. And this is how long you should do it. And this, so I go through every single consideration around the practice, because that's what I've been teaching people how to do. I teach people how to do it on their own in a way that makes them look forward to the practice. 
So that's what people who get that book can expect to come away with is it's not just another book telling you, you know, to play some elevator music and, and sit there and, and let go of your thoughts or treat your thoughts like clouds. You know, that's all a bunch of nonsense, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> you know, when you look at it at a deeper level, it's, uh, it's not really that helpful if you want to become self-sufficient is what I mean. It's, it's not nonsense. It's just not as helpful if you want to be, if you want to be able to do it on your own. So ultimately you want to be able to graduate from the apps and you want to be able to do this on your own. Because if you're app dependent, then if you don't have your app for whatever reason, you're not going to feel like you can meditate. But if you can do it on your own, you can meditate anywhere. Ubers, airplanes, grandma's living room, football stadiums, movie theaters, car garages, wherever you find a comfortable seat and you're able to close your eyes safely. Said it before, you want this book. <laughs> you do. I mean, I, I one of the things that really struck me was just how when it started, you talked about finding a comfortable position. Now, I don't want to give away all the all the goodies because y'all actually need to get the book. But it was it, it almost felt revolutionary to say you actually need to be comfortable. Yeah, it's one of the biggest misconceptions is that you need to sit with your back straight and your legs crossed. You don't need to do that at all. In fact, you should be sitting like you're watching Netflix. That's the best way to meditate. Meditate and chill. Meditate and chill. Netflix and chill. <laughs> Oh my God, this is a great conversation. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back with more conversation from my amazing guest and yours truly on Better with Dr. Erica. Better with Dr. Erica. It's time for the better tip of the week. And this week we are focusing on self-talk. So you know how you give those compliments to everyone else. It's time to start throwing them your own way. Let's build ourselves up. So every day... I want you to give yourself a compliment. Tell yourself something good about yourself. Anything from, I look beautiful, I look handsome today, I really nailed that meeting, I made a really great lunch. Anything, just tell yourself one positive thing every day. I know you can do it and I know you'll feel better. To stay in touch with all things Better with Dr. Erica, you can go to betterthepodcast.com betterthepodcast.com and you can also follow us on social media at Dr. Erica D-O-C-T-O-R-E-R-I-C-K-A that's D-O-C-T-O-R-E-R-I-C-K-A my parents used all the letters on all social media I look forward to hearing from you better with Dr. Erica I, I don't want to leave the people without spending a little bit of quality time on on your your latest book knowing where to look 108 do- daily doses of inspiration Mm-hmm. Why, why 108? Well, you know, typically the go-to in the publishing world when you're doing a lot of stories is let's do one for every day. Let's do a calendar 365. And I was like, I don't want to do that because I didn't want this to be a linear read. Um, I wanted it to be more like tarot cards or like the magic eight ball where you can just pick it up and shake it up and see what, what catches your eye. And you get your message that you needed to hear that way. And so 108 is an auspicious number, meaning a sacred or special number in, uh, in the yogic world, in the Vedic philosophy. And there's all kinds of like sacred geometrical explanations for it, which we don't really have to go into because it's not really that interesting. But, um, but yeah, it was just, it, it had to be, it was going to be a certain number. And I just... It was a great, it was actually a nice little limitation because I have thousands of those stories because I've been, they come from 
this daily dose of inspiration email that I've been sending out since June of 2016. So five years. And so 108 just kind of nice ring to it when you're trying to pick the best of anything that you've done a thousand times. Indeed. Do you have a favorite? You know, that's the thing. It's 108 of my favorite ones. Do you have a favorite that you've read so far? It's hard. It's hard because the, the interesting thing about it is, you know, I, I believe a lot. Um, one of the core things for all of you all that haven't had a chance to read his book yet is um, this concept of inspiration. And for a lot of people, it seems like people have different words, like, you know, it felt almost similar to what I would describe as intuition at times. Um, but it was, I kind of went in it with the eye, like, Whatever I land upon is going to be what I need at the moment. I have to think on that. I have to send you a message when I when I pick a face. Um, all that. To well, say, that's exactly that's exactly what I wanted the reader to come away with. Like it's hard to choose just one because you have some are cool just because the way they're designed, and some have a very profound message, and some it's like a misdirect where you have to figure it out. It's like, oh wow, that's really clever how that whole and it, and I'm saying that because I didn't create all of them. Some of them are retellings mm. that I have personally found uh, intriguing or uh, profound. And so I included a lot of those as well. In addition to my own personal stories, the personal stories are probably 40% of them. And then there's classic stories that have been told in yoga and meditation and spiritual circles for time immemorial. And then there are anecdotes, which are mostly retellings. And then there are just some that are just observe observational about just different principles. So it's a, it's a combination of all of them. And then they're all treated with their own little text design. So it's all, and then they're, they're all kind of spread out so that, that you don't, you're not going to get two of the same kind in a row that you're always going to get a different one usually when you just kind of flip it open to any page. So it felt, I'll say it, it yeah, felt it very intentional. So we're going to switch gears because I can't keep my listeners here forever as much as I would love to keep them here forever. <laughs> and we're going to switch to just a few speed round questions. Are you ready? Okay. I love a good speed round. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. The first one is what is the best lesson you've learned from your mom? Um, my mom is one of the most compassionate people that I have ever met. One of the most thoughtful people that I've ever met. And, uh, she used to say this thing, you know, when you would complain about somebody, she would always say, well, it's better to be the person who is able to help them than to be the person who is in the position that needs the help. So be grateful that you're able to help them instead of, instead of being in in whatever position um, where you're needing to to be helped. Wow. I feel like I want to give your mom a virtual hug and I've never met her. (laughs) So the next one is what is one piece of advice you'd like to tell your younger self? Um, I would tell my younger self, to start meditating earlier. (laughs) (laughs) All the answers will come through your meditation practice if you just start (laughs) as early as possible. I I can't be mad at that. I can't be mad at that. Who could could hate on, let let me get enlightened a little sooner. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And then what is a favorite gift to yourself? So I would say the gift of choicelessness. And uh, so this kind of speaks to my decision three years ago to become nomadic. 
and to start living exclusively from a carry-on bag, which I've now downsized to just a backpack because I feel like I had too much stuff. But yeah, so that gift of a limitation placed on how much stuff I can have gives you actually a lot of freedom because you're not sitting around you know, shopping on Amazon or looking for more stuff. You kind of have to, if you do get more stuff, you have to give away some stuff because you can only carry what you can fit in your, in your bag. So it's been very liberating. It actually makes you way more present than you would ever be otherwise. So I would definitely consider that to be a great, one of my greatest gifts to myself. I love that as I sit and look around at all my stuff. (laughs) So you have an actual full day off. What are you looking forward to doing? I like walking. I like being in nature. I would love to be in nature on that day. Um, I would love to spend a few hours just walking through nature with maybe a good friend, but someone who enjoys silence as well. Like I I don't like being in nature and people are loud talking, you know, Um, and just enjoying my health. In, in whatever way, you know, a lot of people can't walk or use their hands and, or their eyes. And so I can, I have all of, I have access to all of that. And I'm just grateful. And every time I get to walk and go up a flight of stairs and carry heavy stuff, I'm, I just try to be grateful that, Hey, at least I have the ability to do that. And, um, and so, yeah, just being in gratitude and being in nature, that, that's my idea of a, of a day in paradise. Well, I'm, I'm down for it. I think that sounds excellent. <laughs> and I think mm-hmm. it sounds very doable. So, I mean, that's the great thing. You can, you can have your perfect day quite a bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the idea is to create that on a day, make that my norm, my normal day. So what is one thing you do when someone either disrespects you or underestimates you? Take a breath. Just take a breath and remind yourself that it's not personal. It's just a reflection of, of something that other person is experiencing in, or going through. And it doesn't mean that I have to go and try to please them, but it may, be, may mean, hey, give that person some space or give myself some space. And so that I can continue to be as present as possible with the things that I really truly cherish and care about. Because otherwise, if I can't take that space, that other person's behavior ends up hijacking the rest of my day or week or month or year or decade, in which case I'm not fully available to the things that I love and cherish. And so I end up paying the ultimate price for that. And I feel like that's an entire clip. We can do an entire show on that. <laughs> right. An entire. These are, and by the way, these are all aspirational. It doesn't mean that I'm, I'm like this all the time. <laughs> just drop right in. But this is, you know. Best case scenario, in my clearest state of awareness, this is how I would be. (laughs) Note taken. (laughs) And the last one is, what is your superpower? Oh, man. Uh, What your shirt says, gratitude. I feel like uh, because I've been writing these daily doses of inspiration for five years, I've, I've trained myself to be able to see inspiration in almost any setting, any situation. And so... One of the biggest side effects of that is you're just grateful. You're grateful for what you what you have and where you are, and uh, and I feel like when you're able to be grateful, it just it makes you so much more aware and available to whatever the opportunities are in that moment. And so that's a superpower. I totally love it. I mean, I I feel like it's it seems like a really bad pun, 
or something, but it's like one of the great things about your mindset and talking to you, it's like a breath of fresh air. It, it just is. And, and I, I'm really appreciative that you would take time out for myself and my listeners is because we, we need more of this kind of energy in the world. What are some of your final thoughts or takeaways you'd like to give away to the listeners? Um, I would say what I say at the end of all of my podcasts, which is to keep following your heart to the best of your ability, keep taking leaps of faith, keep believing in yourself, because that's, that's going to unlock all of your potential that you are able to unlock in this moment. It's just doing those three things. Leaps of faith, follow your heart, believe in yourself. Okay. Now I feel like my whole day has been made. I don't need to do anything else today. Um, and for everyone out there, we'll make sure that there are links to his podcast and his books in the episode description. So you don't have to try to remember some link that we're about to say right now, um, because I've also listened to his podcast. It's very enjoyable. So you should check it out too. And I wouldn't say that if I didn't like it, <laughs> I am my grandmother's child. <laughs> so, you. so quickly, where can people find you other than the links we're going to put in the episode description? I think that's it. You know, my hub is lightwatkins.com, L-I-G-H-T-W-A-T-K-I-N-S. And then on social media at lightwatkins. So between those two, you can find it pretty much everything. So listen, this conversation is nothing without you. So stay right there and we will be right back after a message from our sponsors. Better with Dr. Erica. Welcome to Goodwin Medical Associates, where we provide customized, caring telepsychiatry that is delivered with compassion by a Harvard-trained, double-board-certified psychiatrist. Don't you know that everyone, including you, deserves great mental health? Visit www.goodwintelepsych.com for more information and to book your free consultation. So thank you all so much for listening. I really appreciate you for trusting me enough to put myself and light into your ears. So thank you so much for your time. And guess what? You know where to find me. And I would love it. I would totally love it. You can take a little bit of time, if you like what you heard, to subscribe. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, to rate and review. That would make my day. And after that, you know what? You've been listening to us for a while. I'm going to set you free. So until next time, have a better day. Thanks for listening. Find me on social media at Dr. Erica, D-O-C-T-O-R-E-R-I-C-K-A on all social media and online at betterthepodcast.com. That's betterthepodcast.com. If you like what you heard, tap on that subscribe or follow button, then click share and click rate and review. Now, don't panic if you don't see rate and review. Sometimes it mainly shows up on Apple Podcasts and Audible. But I appreciate hearing your feedback. Check back weekly for new episodes. They drop on Tuesday mornings. Until next time, be better, do better, live better. Better with Dr. Erica.